Hey everybody, this is Round 6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight, with me, your boy, Noah Petrie. I know, I know what you're thinking, another MMA podcast. I know, there's a lot of us out there, but if you like bold, unapologetic hot takes, a detailed, broken down view of the fight game, and of course, stomach-hurting comedy, well, come to the right place. What is up, everyone? This is episode 27 of R6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight with me, your boy, Noah Petrie. And I'll be going over last weekend's fights, which was Calvin Cater against Arnold Allen. Um, going over some belts or stuff as well, as well as to why I didn't watch that fight card. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't watch it, but I didn't watch it for a reason. So I'll be going over that as well. And I'll be going over all the MMA news slash drama that's been happening in MMA sphere. And of course, next, this week's fight, excuse me, this week's fight, which will be Mariano Rodriguez against Amanda Lemos. And right off the bat, guys, this is, I'm recording on Halloween night. So, of course, this drops tomorrow, will be November 1st. But happy fucking Halloween. I hope you took your kids out to go get some snacks i do have you know a following overseas so you guys don't celebrate halloween so it's a normal day for you but in america it's it's weird it's a weird kind of concept because you have people who are ultra religious but we shouldn't be celebrating halloween it's a pagan holiday then there's so many people who are religious but celebrate halloween anyway just for the fact that it's just kids getting candy which is it's all it is. It's just kids getting candy. You're not worshiping anything. You're just fucking getting candy. Let the kids get the candy. Don't be an asshole. But uh, yeah, that's basically the uh, basically Halloween in a nutshell. If you're not American, listening to this, it's I guess it's a pretty fun holiday. But all in all, it sucks that it's on a Monday. It just just makes shits weird. But let's stop talking about the stupid holiday of Halloween and let's get into the fights. So first off is Chase Hooper against Garcia. And honestly, guys, right off the bat, one thing I'm going to say is that Chase Hooper does not belong in the UFC. I'm sorry, Chase Hooper does not belong in the UFC. He doesn't. He's way too green. He came in his... Here's the thing, right? Just Because we have... I forgot the guy's name. He's fucking 17 years old. He's coming to the UFC. Chase Hooper's in his early 20s, very early 20s, came into the UFC. This is not the promotion for development. Is not the promotion for development. You get into the UFC when your game is already well-rounded or close to it. Or you're very, very, very good in one particular skill set that's leagues above everyone else. And you have a ton of experience behind you fight-wise. That's when it's the time to get into the UFC. When you're just starting out and you're in your early 20s or fucking, in, in the case of the other kid, a teenager, the UFC is not the place to be is not the place to be. You're not going to succeed in the UFC. And some people point to examples like, oh, you know, John Jones. Listen, John Jones is a rarity. John Jones is the exception to this rule. John Jones is the greatest fighter to ever live um, by most people's accord, by my accord, actually. So, of course, this is going to be different. You know, he, he's kind of an exception to that. So you can't hold everyone to the same standard as John Jones. And Chase Hooper just, he he's not ready for the UFC. He should have went to Bellator, to one championship, or to a smaller promotion, or fart regional MMA to, to get more uh, fights under his belt. But him going to the UFC and fighting these guys is kind of a disservice, and the person that he fought wasn't that good. 
when you look at Garcia's record, it is it's very up and down. It's almost 500. So it wasn't like he was fighting someone who was, you know, a top prospect who was, you know, rising up the ranks. He wasn't fighting that, someone like that at all. So Chase Hooper, yeah, he's a he's a jiu-jitsu ace and his ground game is very good and has been working on striking, but it's, he got dropped four times in the first round. He got dropped four, four times, I believe, in the first minute of the first round, which is fucking insane. So uh, thankful for, uh, for Herb Dean stopping the fight, not letting it continue any further. He knew that Chase Hooper took too, many, too much damage. He probably was going to recover from this. <laughs> like Tiger King, they were going to financially recover from this. And he just shouldn't be in the UFC, man. He should not be in the UFC. I think if the UFC is going to have people, you know, if he's going to have people who are not necessarily ready for the competition to UFC but want to develop them, then probably the contender series is the way to go. You know, you get a contender series contract where you fight like eight times in the contender series or you fight like six times in the contender series and we see how you fare out there and you come to the UFC. That might be the best way to do it, but then again, it's like, I don't know, the UFC is not the place for that. It just simply is not the place for that. So that that goes for the uh, the Chase Super fight, guys. Now I want to get into the Arlovsky-Lima fight, which I honestly didn't understand why this fight was on the prelims. Didn't make sense there. It really, really didn't make sense there. You know, Ar- Arlovsky is... He easily has the biggest name in that entire card. The man was a former UFC world champion um, and champions in multiple other divisions. I believe he was coming off a loss his last fight, but either way, like he's a big name. He's fought on main cards multiple times before. So the fact that he wasn't on the main card was kind of weird. Probably his his contract is up soon, so that might be it. But uh, this, what, what, this wasn't necessarily his best performance. Our lossy his last couple of years, have really started to turn it around. He was a guy who was known for, you know, any little slightest touch on the chin, he was going down, he was going out. You know, his chin just seems to, to give out on him. Then he switched his style up. He fought more conservative. His chin seems to be holding up better punches. Um, these last couple of fights, he wasn't getting finished that often or often at all. He even went on like a three, four fight, three, four, five fight win streak. So uh, he was doing fairly good, especially in where he's at in his career and you know how long he's been fighting how much damage he's taken but Delima just hit him with an overhand I believe he, he hit him with the right first and then he followed up with the left hook which dropped him he was able to get a rear naked choke right after that so solid win for Delima definitely deserves to be in the top 15 do I think Delima's gonna be champion one day no but it was a solid win for him and then we have Galls against uh, Halls against Deladze and the fight was fairly even on the feet as far as it lasted. Halls was able to take um, Delatze down when he ducked under a right hand. And Delatze went into a knee bar, hyperextended the knee, and you could see the knee pop. Like You could visually see the knee pop. And it's so weird that we had two knee injuries in the same card, in the same main card. Very, very weird, very, very rare. I feel like injuries have been happening left and right in this 2020 calendar year, more than usual. But Delatze caused the knee injury. Delatze got him in the knee bar, the knee popped. Um, Halls visibly looked, you know, he, he couldn't stand. Literally, he got right back up and he uh, he fell right after. Then he, he was kind of doing fairly well, bouncing around, circling the cage a little bit, but you could see he was he was very much in pain. Um, his movement 
was very limited. I'm surprised that the, the referee didn't go in there and call the doctor. Like, he just let it continue. He saw that his knees were jacked up, and he just let it continue. Then again, Dan Margarita, who was a referee, it, honestly, I don't think Dan's the best referee, in my opinion, because there's multiple times, and not instances like this, but other instances where I really question his judgment in there at times, which you can say that for every every referee there is. You know, there's times where you, you can question Herb Dean, sometimes you can question Jason Herzog. But I feel like I do that for Dan Mergliata more than usual. So I'm surprised they didn't call a a doctor in there. After the first round, I didn't see a doctor in there at all, actually. I I didn't see anyone go to Hall's Corner and look at the the, the knee. But either way, he was definitely compromised. And... That's what led to the knockout. He had very limited mobility. Delatze, I think, did a fairly good job at maintaining the pace. He didn't rush his opponent. He knew his opponent was hurt. He didn't want to go in there and, and get clipped because even though, you know, Hawes is wounded, he's still very dangerous to have, you know, massive power in his hands. So you can't just be reckless. But I think that he should have targeted the leg more. Should have targeted kicking the calf, kicking the, the thigh of the right leg, I mean the left leg, and just, you know, tearing at it, tearing at it, tearing at it. He didn't do enough of that, I feel. But either way, he got the knockout. Impressive victory for Delatze. He, uh, I don't, you can say that the, the knockout wouldn't have happened. It wasn't for a knee injury, but then again, Delatze caused knee injury. So nothing but respect for him. He looked very, very good in there. And then we have Rauchi against Jacoby. And this fight, man, it it was a robbery. I would say it was a robbery. I think the judges really shitted on Jacoby in this one, which sucks because he was he had a 15-fight win streak over three sports, kickboxing, boxing, and MMA, which is literally unheard of. Like, I haven't heard that at all, ever. So, eventually, it was going to come to an end anyway, but it sucks that it came to an end because of the incompetency of the judges. And listen, it was a close fight. It was a very close fight. I'm not saying it wasn't a close fight. It was a very competitive fight. I enjoyed watching the fight. But all in all, I think that... I think Jacoby won. I think Jacoby easily won um, the, the fight. Honestly, you can argue that he probably won all three. I had Jacoby win the second and had Jacoby win the first. Oh, excuse me. He definitely didn't win all three. I'm, I'm remembering the third round now, and yeah, I don't think he he definitely didn't win all three. Excuse, I, I call myself, you know, <laughs> mid-sentence. call myself there. But he definitely won the first. I would say he definitely won the first, and he definitely won the second. He clearly lost the third one. He clearly lost the third one. He was going to hit with some really big punches in, in the third round. So I give the third round a round tree. But clearly, Jacoby won that second round. It's not even up for debate. Not even up for debate. Jacoby was landing on him left and right, left and right, left and right, piecing together. Most of Khalil Rontree's punches were missing because he was really loading up in his punches, and he was missing a lot of them, man. He was missing a lot of them. A lot of them were getting blocked. A lot of them were getting blocked. And he just looked gassed out in that second round. That was a clear 10-9 for Jacoby. And the first round was close, but overall gave it to Jacoby. Roundtree didn't really land that many powerful shots in the first round. He missed a lot of them, and a lot of them were blocked. But Jacoby all around did the better work, landed the crisper, cleaner shots. I think he clearly won that first round. So I don't understand the issue. I don't understand how the judges got their decision. And my issue with it is, 
if the judges, all their scorecards was in unison, then I can understand a little bit more. Maybe, you know, they saw something that they value more or possibly that they, uh, they you know, because they're sitting ringside, so they heard the powerful shots and they may have gave it for um, Browntree because Browntree is it, it's, uh, the more powerful of the striker between the two of them. Um, but I, 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 the fact that the scorecards wasn't in unison just makes me go to the judges like, yo, what the fuck were you watching? It really, really, really doesn't make any sense. Like I'm, I tried to put, put it together and it didn't make any sense. And of course we all know the fan who was, uh, who was screaming out during round trees, uh, during round trees, uh, uh, post fight speech. And he was saying how oh, this is bullshit. He got robbed and this, this and that. And a lot of people, you know, were criticizing Roundtree. We told him they got to shut up. But here's the thing. Much respect for Roundtree. Because during that that fight interview, the post-fight interview, the guy was really, the, the, the fan who was, you know, giving Roundtree a hard time, he was, he, he, he didn't, it's not like he just said that one thing. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not like he just said that one thing. And that was it. Then Khalil told him to shut up. That wasn't the case. Um, he was screaming a lot of things during the, the, the fight interview. And Khalil was kind of just letting a rock for a little bit. And eventually he had enough and just told him to shut up. So, uh, you know, it. at the end of the day, it's Khalil didn't necessarily do anything wrong. He went out there. He fought. It's not his fault that the judges got around. It's not his fault that he thinks he won the fight. It was a very close fight. And, of course, as a fighter, you're going to think you win the fight even though you didn't. So, yeah, it just sucks that. Jacoby's win streak had to come to an end because of a robbery, but it that's just that's just a sport for you. It's just a sport for you, and I, I'll, I'll I'm I, I'm go over, I'm gonna go over for MMA news slash drama. I'm not even gonna go over it yet. I want to get into the main event. So Cater against Allen, and this fight, man, it, it's such a fucking travesty. So many main events this year have have just been cut short due to injury like i don't know what the issue is we've been having so many freak accident injuries in the main events this year i think a total has been 13 to 15 somewhere around there which is fucking insane it's just man i don't understand what's going on i really for the life of me can't it's just a weird trend in 2022 which hope I hope it doesn't continue into 2023. I really, really, really pray. But in the first round, it was clearly Allen's round. I, it's, which surprised me because Allen really outboxed Calvin Cater in that first round. He was piecing Calvin Cater up a lot on the feet. There's a point where he got Calvin Cater into the fence and was blitzing him a little bit, but very strategic. When he's in those positions where he is blitzing and putting in volume, his, it's not like he's just going for headshots the entire time. He's throwing really good combinations. He's going to the rib, going to the body, going to the head, mixing it up there. Um, but it was clearly Allen's round. Then in the second round, Calvin Cater, I think he goes for a switch knee, it seems like. He landed on the knee and it popped right away. And that was just a fight. The fight was over at that point. He was compromised. He, was, he wasn't going to be able to continue. And usually, man, knee injuries suck. Knee injuries especially suck. Because if you tear an ACL or anything like that, the knee is such an important you know part of your body and, and your daily humanly functions just not outside of fighting at all that usually those injuries take you a while to recover from. So it sucks that uh, the, the main event had to end that way. 
Now, Arnold Allen is calling for an interim title shot. That doesn't make sense. I think, I think clearly the person who should be next in line for a title shot is, God, I'm blanking out on his name, Josh Emmett. There we go. It should be Josh Emmett. I think Josh Emmett clearly deserves it. I think you can give an interim title shot after between Yair and Allen because both men are coming off of a very similar-esque kind of injury and kind of play out for their fights. So I think that would make sense afterwards. But clearly, the person who's next up for a title shot has to be Josh Emmett. It has to be. Now we're going to be going over MMA news as drama. And GSP is officially free from his contract. He was saying that he's officially free from his UFC contract. <clears throat> but Combat Sports is never out of the realm for him. And my advice for GSP, of course, he's not, you know, he doesn't know who the fuck I am. He's not going to listen to me or anything like that. He can live his own life. But I would say, dude, just don't even bother fighting, man. Don't go into boxing. Don't ruin your legacy. Just, just ride off into the sunset. Just literally just ride off into the sunset. Why? You, you've taken so much damage over your career. Why take more? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. So that's what I'd say. But then again, he's going to do what he wants to do. I just hope he doesn't end up boxing fucking Paul or some shit like that. Jake Paul. Aljo thinks Sean beat Jan and it wants to give him the title shot and defend his belt against him. And it's obvious that that's the reason why Aljo would say that. Pierre Jan is a very, very, very tough fight for Aljo. A lot of people thought that Pierre Trian lost, I mean, won his last fight against Aljo, and that Pierre Trian was robbed, like he was robbed the O'Malley fight. So, stylistically, Sean O'Malley is a much easier opponent than Pierre Trian, because Sean O'Malley clearly has some issues in regards to grappling. And I think, you know, if Sean O'Malley is kind of struggling with Pierre Trian a little bit in grappling, then he's going to have a really hard time with, with Aljamain Sterling. I think Aljamain Sterling will get his back very, very, very easily. So, yeah, I can see why he he, he wants to give that title shot to 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 uh, Sean O'Malley. Cody Comfort wants a third fight with TJ. says that EPO is not going to be able to save him this time. <clears throat> I know last week I said that I want TJ to retire, and I do still believe that. But I think if he's going to take any fight, this is the fight to take. Or the Aldo fight. I think if, if you know, TJ's going to fight anyone, it should be Aldo. Because that's a fight that we always wanted to see. Or it should be Garbrandt 3. Because even though both men are washed, well, TJ's not necessarily washed. He's more so just injured and can't really compete in the highest level anymore because of the injuries. But Cody Garbrandt is washed. So... I think if there's any fight that TJ should take, it should be those two. And I'm not opposed to it. I think it'll be a good fight night main card or on a pay-per-view. Then we have Chael believes that Islam wouldn't be able to take down Chandler. And I disagree with this. I partially agree, partially disagree. I think that Islam, first of all, that's if Chandler even gets a title fight, title shot, which I don't see him getting another title shot again. Personally, I, I don't think it's gonna happen for him. I don't, I don't think he's gonna get past Poirier. I really don't think he's. I really don't think so. But if Chandler does and he gets a title shot or whatever the case may be, I think that at first Islam would struggle taking Chandler down because Chandler is so big for the division. He's a very good wrestler too. 
I think at first he'd kind of struggle taking Chandler down, and if, if he's able to take Chandler down, I think Chandler, Chandler I think that he'll be have a tough time really holding Chandler down. Um, and I think the first two rounds are going to be very dangerous for Islam. Then afterwards, I think that once he has Chandler, you know, a little more gas and a little more tired, Chandler wouldn't be able to keep Islam off of him. Honestly, I think if Chandler doesn't do it in the first two, then Islam is definitely going to put him away um, by submission in the third, fourth, or fifth. So I do agree with with Chalen that it will be very hard for Islam to take Chandler down, especially in the first two rounds. <clears throat> but I think that eventually Islam will tire him out and be able to get him down. And we have Askar Askarov asked for his UFC release due to his health reasons. He said he needs to get his health right first before anything else. And I respect this, man, because when you look at Askar Askarov's, you know, last three, four years, he hasn't been competing much. There's always been some kind of an issue. You know, it was COVID that happened and it kind of fucked everything up. And then, you know, it was bad weight cuts and, you know, medical issues and pulling out of fights and that kind of stuff. It was just happening over and over and over again. Maybe it's an issue cutting weight and that's what's causing it. Maybe he has to go up a weight class. But I think, you know, if his health is not right, why risk it? The same thing with with Zabit. You know, if your health is not right, why are we risking it? You know, that there's really no reason to. You're not going to be, you know, on the top of your game anyway. So I respect the fact that he's taking, he's taking this time to, uh, to focus on his health, which is far more important in his UFC career. And now this is what I want to talk about with the Jacoby and Roundtree fight, which is Ben Cartledge. He's a brand new coach for the athletic, the, the Nevada Athletic State Commission. A lot of people are saying, oh, Ben's a new, I mean, not a new coach, new judge, excuse me, new judge for Nevada State Athletic Commission. A lot of people on Twitter say, you know, he's a good judge, you know, he's going to do a great job, you know, he's, he's so good, et cetera, et cetera. And he judged the Jacoby and Roundtree fight terribly. He gave Roundtree the first and second round and then gave... <laughs> and then gave, I mean, yeah, he gave Roundtree the first and second round. They gave Jacoby the third, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess I can see you giving Roundtree the first. I'm not that opposed to it, but the second round was clearly Jacoby's. Like, clearly Jacoby's. Jacoby was laying it on him. I don't understand how you could see the second round and give it for Roundtree. It really doesn't make any sense. And the third round for Jacoby. I don't understand how you could see the third round and give it to Jacoby. But the second round is more obvious than the third round. So at that point, I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you watching? There, you shouldn't be brand new to judging and judging an MMA and judging a UFC main card. That should not be happening. That literally should not be happening. So it just goes to show you the incompetency of these judges. I think we gotta change up. The judging criteria, and I think we gotta change up just the judges, man, because they're fucking incompetent. But listen, the judging is gonna be something that's gonna be <clears throat> a very big issue for MMA for many, many years to come. Now we're in the Petri predictions portion of this podcast, and we have Mariano Rodriguez against Amanda Limos. And I'm surprised that Mariano Rodriguez is not fighting for the belt yet. I think she earned it by now. I think Mariana definitely earned a fight for the belt yet. If she wins this fight, then she should most definitely be fighting for the belt. And I think she's going to win this fight. 
I think when you look at both fighters, they have very similar styles. Mariano Rodriguez is striking is far more polished than Lemos. Both women have very big power in their hands. I think maybe Lemos has more power than, than uh, Mariana, but Marina, excuse me, Marina, Marina is a far better striker than Amanda. So I, I have Marina winning this fight and know she's a favorite coming into this fight as well. Then we have Neil Magnik as Daniel Rodriguez. And I was happy when this fight was announced. It got canceled before, and it's coming back. You know, Daniel Rodriguez is a very good, you know, up-and-coming prospect for the UFC. Neil Magny is an established talent. I want to see how Daniel Rodriguez would fare against the pace of Neil Magny. I'm going for Rodriguez in this one. I really am. I'm going for Rodriguez in this one. I think if he can handle the pace of Magny well... Because it's only three rounds, too. So it's not like you're fighting for five rounds. And we've seen Daniel Rodriguez go in three-round fights. And it's not like he has a bad gas tank anyway. So I have my money on Daniel Rodriguez for this fight. And my hot take for the week is, why didn't I watch the Bellator fight? Not necessarily a hot take per se. I have to admit that. But it's just something that I want to address, right? And <clears throat> I don't... Here's the thing, right? I knew that Bellator was going to Italy soon. I knew that much. I knew that much. I didn't know when, but I knew soon was going to happen. And when I found out that the fight was on Friday, I found out Friday night, I believe maybe even Saturday morning, one or the other. And my thing is, when you looked at MMA Twitter, no one was talking about it. MMA Instagram, no one was talking about it. Um, the only time you would hear from it from MMA podcast, if it's there, if the podcast has an affiliation with Bellator, like Morning Combat or Wang and Podcast. So, and even then, Josh Thompson from Wang In didn't tweet about it. He tweeted about it after the fact. And on top of that, you know, when you're reading a thread, there's people who are from Italy who live in the the city that the fight occurred in they're like yo there was no advertising for it there was no ads there was no you know um fucking uh i I worked in advertising for years i should know this no billboards no anything for it there was nothing which is like what are we doing marketing wise and when you look at the card the card isn't spectacular like, in reality, you, you can miss this card. It really wasn't all that. It wasn't a great card. It was kind of a shitty card. It really, you know, had a bunch of Italian fighters in the card to, 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 you know, to make the crowd happy. But my thing is, how are you promoting this? Like, where is your marketing dollars going? Do you even have marketing dollars? Like, why aren't you putting billboards in the city that the fight is going to be occurring in? Why isn't... You know, you having people who are associated with the brand talking about this. So it's just like, I, I, why, why am I not seeing it on my Twitter feed when my entire Twitter feed is MMA? So it just really doesn't make any sense. And on top of that, after the fact, no one's talking about it. Like nothing. I didn't see, I literally did not see not one tweet from that event. Not one. Not one. So it's like, what are we doing here? Like this, it's a clear marketing problem. Bellator has a great product, but it's a very, very, very clear marketing problem. They need to solve this marketing problem. 
Like they're never going to be able to compete. They can't. They never will be able to truly compete with the UFC. But they'll never be able to to try to compete with the UFC or get bigger than they already are if they're not properly marketing their product. It really doesn't make any sense. Like it, it really, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It doesn't make any sense. You know, like you like Scott Coker needs to have an all hands on deck with the marketing team, with the fighters. He needs to rip the marketing team a new one. I get a brand new marketing team. And he needs to tell the fighters, like, listen, because it's a 50-50 revenue split for the the fighters in Bellator. They have 50-50 revenue split, which is really not much because Bellator is probably not making a lot of money. But the fighters can also get their own sponsorships as well to supplement that. So literally how the fighters get paid more is if more people watch Bellator, more people watch Bellator, Bellator as a promotion makes more money, which will in turn get them more money. Sponsorships would be willing to pay more because more eyes are on the brand and more eyes are on the fights and the fighters. So the fighters would get paid more through sponsorships too. So Scott Coker needs to have an all hands that on deck meeting with the entirety of Bellator, even with the fighters and be like, yo, we need you guys to promote the shit out of each and every single event that happens. Even if you're not on the card, even if you don't know anyone on the card. Because you promoting it would just make more people watching it so that everyone gets paid more and everyone benefits. I'm not saying you have to like become fucking brand ambassadors to Bellator, but like if there's a card that we could tweet about the card a couple of times or have testimonials from people like, you know, uh, Corey Anderson said he made more money in Bellator than he ever had in UFC and talk about how good Bellator is and do that with a bunch of other fighters who have, you know, fairly recognizable names in the MMA sphere so that it builds up your brand more but he's not doing that like it, it's just a it's a clear marketing problem and this is not me pointing this out it's a lot of people who are pointing it out too and that's the reason why I didn't watch the Bellator card because one you know I, I freaking for work for me I work long hours and then on the weekends, I have a little stuff going on. And then I have to, you know, watch the fight, rewatch the fight, analyze it, then record, then edit afterwards. So it's like I have a very finite amount of time. And I rely on, you know, MMA Twitter, MMA Instagram, that kind of stuff to let me know if the fights are occurring. But if your marketing team is not doing their job to let the public know that the fight's occurring, then how the fuck am I supposed to know and watch it? Like, I'm not going to sit there. And then watch on a Sunday night, you know, the Bellator card that you failed to promote and top of the card was ass. So it's like, fuck it, I'm just going to skip this one because it really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Most people in, in MMA sphere didn't care about the card. They, they really didn't. No, not, I guarantee you, just probably not, none of, probably not any of my fans are going to complain that I didn't cover the card. I do have some in Italy. Maybe they will be like, yo, what the fuck? But <laughs> besides them, no one is really going to complain that I didn't cover the card. I, I promise you that. Because most of them probably didn't know the card happened. So it's like I, I look at it from a, 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 a from a standpoint of investing my time versus the, the ROI of it. And it just wasn't a good return on investment. And that's the reason why I skipped it. But either way, the moral of the story goes that Bellator needs to do better at marketing their own brand. Or they're not going to be able to go, they're going to go out of business if that's the case. 
But that's enough of me rambling about the marketing issues of Bellator. <laughs> but uh, this is episode 27 of R6 MMA Talk. You can find me on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of other platforms. You can find me basically everywhere. If you want to follow me on Instagram, Noah underscore A underscore Petrie. On Twitter, Noah Petrie R6. And guys, I'm looking forward to talk to you next week. Enjoy the fights, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.